The opinions expressed in the Brothers on Law Show are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for personal professional legal advice. Thanks for tuning in to Brothers on Law on Go Country 105. I'm Larry Mandel. And I'm Rob Mandel. And we've been trial attorneys here in Los Angeles for over 40 years. On our show, we will discuss current events, talk about legal issues, and have some very entertaining guests stop by. So stay tuned every week for Brothers on Law right here on Go Country 105. All right, welcome back to Brothers on Law. I'm Rob Mandel. And I'm Larry Mandel. And we feel so blessed to be out here uh, talking to all of you. Hey, Larry, do you remember when we first started out as lawyers many years ago? And in your case, many more years ago. Ha ha, Rob. And um, there weren't too many female lawyers back then. Not that I recall. How about you? No, that's true. There weren't that many female lawyers. There weren't that many female judges. It was basically a male-dominated profession. Yeah. And now we find that um, we're lucky enough to have a lot more women, colleagues, and even opponents, and and judges, and partners, yes. And it's changed not only the the face of the profession, but also kind of the tenor and how, how we approach cases, don't you think? Yeah, and I think the quality, too. Yes. It's made it a lot better, hasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, we're lucky enough also to have with us today one of the top female lawyers in town. Uh, I call her the Tiger Girl. Yes. And she's our very own Aslan Tatuyan. One of our partners. Yes. Welcome to the show, Aslan. Hi, everybody. So, uh, Aslan, why don't you tell us a little bit about... um, Why she became interested in law. Yeah. Why'd you become interested in in this profession? You know, I... um I just always knew from the beginning, as early as fifth grade, that I just wanted to fight for people. And it was kind of like a lifelong dream of mine and one that my dad really, really supported. I would have been the first, um, you know, first generation to go to college and then graduate law school. Um, But it was kind of a no brainer for me. Like, I never wanted to be a doctor. I didn't want to be an engineer. Like it was always law for me. And um, was, was there somebody that you had to fight for when you were in fifth grade? Yeah, I was going to say, what was it about fifth grade? That, yeah, that or do you have to that. fight for yourself? Yeah, you know, there was nothing in particular. But I've always been the type of person to um, not really like bullying um, or being made feel inferior or less than and. I kind of had to deal with that as a child myself. And a lot of kids. Yeah, and I, I kind of grew up learning to stand up for others. Mm. And as lawyers, we do that all the time. Isn't that a great feeling? Oh, it's the best, um, especially as plaintiffs, um, personal injury lawyers. I feel like um, it's not just our job, but... Um, our passion. It's our passion, but it's an honor to stand up for it's people. It's our privilege. Right. Yeah. But it's a heady responsibility, is it not? It is. Um, and at the end of the day, you you kind of internalize a lot of that and it, it takes a toll on you. But the satisfaction you get at the end of a case when you're, 
you know, five-year-old little client comes up and hugs you in the courthouse after their, you know, case is settled and the judge has approved a minor's compromise, for example, that feeling is incredible. What is a minor's compromise? Uh, A minor's compromise is basically uh, when you have a case that involves a minor and the case settles, the court basically wants to approve the settlement and make sure that it's fair and just for the minor and to make sure that the minor's funds are protected so that by the time the minor turns 18, he or she will have some money to take care of the needs. That makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. So what what would you say, though, I just want to get back to the the, uh, uh, notion of women in the law. And what, what special challenges, if any, do you find there are for women who are are practicing, especially doing what you do? Yeah, there are definitely some challenges, um, but there's also some amazing, amazing benefits. So the challenges are obviously, you know, we're kind of in a unique position where as women, and um, particularly as mothers, there's that constant struggle and that juggling act that's required of us to make sure that we are amazing moms, but also amazing lawyers. And it's hard to stop being a mom sometimes and start being a lawyer. That's right. Because the time, the time need, uh, demands b- just by themselves can be so overwhelming. As, well, as it's a time lawyer. management. How do you manage your time between those two? Well, it's, it's time management in that you kind of have to figure out what you're doing in certain hours of the day. Um, and as lawyers, our job doesn't really end. You know, we don't say it's five o'clock, I'm done. Because sometimes clients call, sometimes there's you know, emergency papers that need to be filed with the court. Um, and you know, when things like that happen, that has to come first because people are relying on you. But you also have to think about the, the little people at home that are relying on you and that need help with homework and that need their lunch boxes fixed for the next day or right. you know there's that upcoming science project that you have and, to help and them with. try as we might as men to fill that need for kids i think it's hard i think that a kid wants the mom to be there in that role don't you think or do, am i am i saying something that is not uh, uh uh what do they call that now um or you're in the know. Oh my God, my brain you, is. You just lost it, hey, Rob. Yeah, but it, it yeah. doesn't matter. She yeah. knows what we're talking yeah. about, right? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, uh, you know, woke. That was the word, woke. There's, oh, woke. Just woke. Just be quiet. That there's definitely a certain tug that you feel from kids a little bit more um, to their mommy right. than to dad, um, and that's okay. You know, I, I, I don't think that women or moms. I don't really think anybody complains about it. It just makes us feel a lot more loved. Um, It's draining though, it's draining. And you know, my husband and I always talk about, you know, when everybody goes to bed, magically things get done around the house, right? Everybody wakes up in the morning and the house is clean and breakfast is ready and the backpacks are in, you know, the trunk. And it's like this, fairy came and did all this stuff <laughs> while everybody's sleeping. Who is that magician? <laughs> that magician is mom. Yeah. That magician is mom. And, um, and I, then to be a litigator on top of that with all the energy and emotional demands of that, not just the time, but everything else that goes into that. How do you do that? 
So there's a, a certain overlap between being a mom and a lawyer. And I think the best way I can describe it is the two different approaches I took um, early on in my career when I did um, a trial. And during that trial, I kind of, I played everything really safe and by the book. You know, I put my hair in a really tight ponytail. I wore, you know, a black, um, kind of like a masculine suit. I was very reserved, kind of like a man. And, um, you know, you, we were taught that you wanted jurors to take you seriously and they didn't want to look at you as weak because right. you were a woman. And I did all of that and it, it, it didn't feel very natural. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had a successful result in that trial, but um, over the years I took some courses and I went to seminars and we learned that generally as women, there's something that we can embrace about our feminine side right. and about what we feel as moms. And so for that trial, I decided, you know, I'm not gonna wear that rigid black suit. I'm gonna wear kind of like a floral dress and I'm not gonna have my hair, you know, tight, slick back in a ponytail. I'm gonna be me. I'm gonna have right. my loose curls. Right, be more yourself. I'm gonna be that's, more me. That's Comfortable being in your own skin. Right. Being real. And um, I think the relatability factor to the jury was incredible yeah. because at the you know at and the I end of the that. day that was that was a trial with us yes right yeah at the end of the day at our core it's who we are and if we embrace that there's a certain empathy that we as women feel that you can really relate to your client who's on the stand. You know, we, we're able to pull that out a little bit more when we allow ourselves the freedom to be who we are because we're not weaker than men. No. We're not less intelligent than men. And it's it's time to put all those notions to rest, right. you know? And that, applies to, that applies to not just being a lawyer, but to other professions. Absolutely. That females Absolutely. All right, you know, hold and And it it even applies to, you know, conversations that you have with opposing counsel, for example. You know, I found that men kind of like to argue a little bit more. Maybe it's a little bit of that machoism coming out. Saber waving. A little bit. Yeah. And you know, I found that when I kind of let that go and I didn't have to, I didn't have to fight like a man. I decided, right. you know what? I could fight like a woman. What was yeah. your approach? And the way I fought like a woman is by being courteous and gentle, playful if I needed to be. But it got it done because, right. you know, we're not out there to destroy each other. We're there to make things right. That's right. And to make, to our make point. justice. Yeah, make our point to get justice. Have you suffered or been injured by someone else's negligence? When you need a legal team that will stand up for what is right, won't give up the fight and obtain justice, call 818-886-6600. Mandel Trial Lawyers specializes in personal injury cases of all types. Whether it's a car accident, product or premises liability, dog bite, or a catastrophic injury, Mandel Trial Lawyers are there for you when the fight is worth it. Call now for your free consultation, 818-886-6600. Let the scales of justice tip in your favor. So what I want to 
I want to talk a little bit more about you then, because your perspective is so profound, and it kind of moves me just to hear you speak. And you know, I've known you for all these years. You've been my my partner basically for over ten, 10 years. years, but I've never really heard these kinds of things. You know, this this um, profound, yeah, these revelations and these this profound uh, sense that you have, and it, and it's very it's very moving. So, so how how as a human being do you you know m- make sure that you can manage to be yourself to have that feminine side to be a, the tiger girl that i know you to be to be this great mom that you are you know is there a basic core or routine that you follow you know uh that makes that more possible for you you know the routine i follow is basically at the end of the day when i go to bed i think did I make people around me proud? Okay. And um, if at the end of the day I can say yes, and whether that's making a client proud or making my partners proud or making my kids proud, then I've done I've done my job. I've managed my time well. In terms of the practicality of it, of how I manage my time, there's no way around it. I mean, as moms, we got to wake up a little bit earlier than everybody else. We got to go to bed a little bit later than everybody else. You know, I may have to spend my lunch hours running errands, you know, picking up Valentine's Day cards for their kid, you know, for the kids project. It gets done. We just do it. And you you are an amazing time manager. That is one thing I've often uh, been incredibly impressed by. But the other thing, too, that I, I know about you is that you're. And I'm, not, I'm going to use this word, but I mean it in, in the best way possible, that you're kind of a fitness nut, that you, you know, in with those spare moments, those precious spare moments you have, you work out a lot. How, why is that? But that didn't start out that way. It so didn't. Did, yeah. So it tell didn't. us a little bit of how you evolved into that. So the way that started uh, was about four years ago. I was um, really overweight and just kind of unhappy with myself. And, you know, I was in this really bad pattern of starting a diet every Monday and failing by Wednesday or Mm. going to the gym on a Monday and giving up by Wednesday. Boy, I know that routine. A lot of us are there. It got, um, it it was exhausting to just never, to never feel good. And so I I started these home, um, you know, workouts that I could just do with a DVD. It just took about 25 minutes. And slowly, very slowly, uh, I started seeing some results. I started feeling better. Um, and then, you know, over the course of four years, of course, I lost 123 pounds. Wow. Um, That's amazing. And I look at you now and I can't even picture yeah, I can't you remember. Being, you know, that much of a bigger person, but, yeah. but you know, obviously, you know, hundred pounds lighter. Wow, wow, that that is something else. What well, an accomplishment! I, I think the thing that I take away from that most is now it's it's a lifestyle for me. I mean, you all know that if I need to leave the office to get to my you Gym. know spin class or my you know training, that I gotta go because. That is just as much a priority for me as my job. And, you know, I've seen this quote that says, um, treat your workouts like a meeting and bosses don't cancel on meetings. So I don't give myself the option of not getting to that workout because I know how 
amazing I feel when I'm done with that one hour of workout. And how does that factor into lawyering? Do you think there's a there's a component of that fitness routine and that health routine that you've adopted that factors into being uh, a better lawyer? Yeah, being a better lawyer. So there's two- Thank you, Larry, for <laughs> putting words in my mouth. I love yeah. it. <laughs> so there's two ways I think it factors in. One is um, this incredible stress relief that you get from getting that heart rate going and you know that sweat flowing and those muscles burning. It's an incredible, incredible way to let off steam. And as lawyers, um, we take on- our clients' emotions. That's that just the true. way it is. It's just on you know? our shoulders. Isn't it is it? on our shoulders. We're like the, the remember the sin eaters of ancient times. No. Oh, you don't know that. Okay. No. Who well, does? I, I'll, I'll, I'll explain <laughs> that another moment. But yes. it's kind of like what we do in a way because they're in the in. in I'll, I'll just interrupt you for a second here. But the the uh, in ancient times there was these people called sin eaters, and they would they would have a feast uh, after someone. Died. Yeah, after <laughs> no, after they died, and it was it was uh, figuratively, but people believed it was literally eating their sin so that they could get into heaven. All right, okay. So what's your sin eater? Yeah. So I mean, but it's like it's kind of like you know they're taking on you know all the the things that, of that other person, all okay. the the bad the burdens you know, the burdens or, yeah. of that other person, and it's kind of what we do in a way. Right. Yeah, the burden that we carry for our clients is is pretty heavy because our clients are hurt. And when you when I talk to my client, I I generally take that on. And whether it's a, you know, physical pain or you know the stress of litigation, I literally feel that for them. Right. And at the end of the day, I needed to find a way to disconnect from that, mm-hmm. even if it's just for an hour. Mm-hmm. And to not worry about anything. And when I mean I don't worry about anything, I mean I'm not thinking about work. I'm not thinking about kids. I'm not thinking about what's going to be made for dinner that night. That one hour is solely for me and for my well-being. Right. And and we all should do that. Yeah, that's we? a good mantra for everybody in different ways. I mean, you right. could focus on yoga or well, whatever. What do you whatever do? What is that hour for you generally? You know, on uh, Saturday mornings, I teach a spin class, and that's something that I started off doing as um, when I got into the whole fitness world. I, I used to take spin classes, and it's very enjoyable for me because it's a full hour of, you know, pumping music, and you feel like you're in a club, and, you know, you're moving around, and it feels great. And I thought, I really, really like this. I want, I want other people to feel as amazing as I feel when I did it. So I started teaching classes. Um, during the week, I, I do everything. I do something different every day. You know, one day I lift really heavy. One day I do a hot sculpt yoga class. You know, okay. twice a week I train with a personal trainer. So I, I, you know, I believe in variety because if you're doing the same thing over and over again, one, your body's not going to change. And two, you're going to get bored. Right. You what need you to cross train. What do you suggest for like an old guy like Rob? <laughs> Well, or an older guy like Larry. <laughs> well, you guys can come to yoga with me. <laughs> there you go, yoga. Yeah. Or yeah. just walking, I can hiking. do that spin class, no problem. What about hiking and, and things like that? Well, all that, yeah. right? Yeah. Do you go on hikes? I don't. Um, I generally don't like to take it slow during my workouts. And yeah. that's probably one thing that I need to work on. I need to find a way to slow down a little bit. But if you only have that hour. 
You want to make the most of it. I want to do what I really enjoy, you know, and for me, that's enjoyable. You know, some people can get into yoga and, you know, they could really feel that Zen. And that's not me. You know, my Zen and my energy comes from, you know, a good four mile run. Right. Well, cardiologists say you have to get your heart beat up, you know, as part of a healthy heart routine. Yeah. Get your heart rate up. And how do you know this? Because um, I've seen a cardiologist. <laughs> what do you think? Oh, did he tell you that? Yeah, he sure oh, did. okay. All right. I thought he told you, you know, just to lay off all that salt or whatever, you know. Stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and of course, brothersonlaw.com. So when it comes to all this fitness stuff, though, I wanted to talk about something else that I think is really important for us as lawyers. Let's hear it. And, um, you know, one of the things that I reflect on the most is... Four years ago, uh, when I would be in a courtroom, let's say, because I didn't like the way I looked and I didn't like the way I felt, I found myself a lot more reserved and a lot more quiet. Less confident? Less confident, afraid to draw attention to myself. And I remember this, um, this one specific instance where I was in trial And defense counsel asked a question that I thought clearly was objectionable, but I didn't want to object because I was so afraid of those 12 jurors looking at me when I objected because I didn't want that attention on on myself. Mm. I didn't like the way I looked. And fast forward now, I feel like when I walk into that courtroom, you own I it. freaking own it. Yeah. You know, that is my courtroom. Right. I'm walking in. I am in charge of my client's case and everybody can look at me and I'm never afraid to object. I'm never afraid to speak up. And I got to say, that's all from finding strength and confidence through fitness. Yeah, I think I think I can relate to so much of what you, you just said, because if you don't feel good and you're and you're off, how do you. Uh, hold someone else's situation in your hand. You got to be on the top of your game in order to do that. And sometimes it's hard. It can be pretty, uh, it can wear you down quite a bit. It's daunting, Rob. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, that applies to a lot of, I'm just going to talk to our audience for a moment. It applies to a lot of different situations. You have to feel that confidence. You have to feel good about yourself before you can do something good for somebody else in a general sense. Well, that is all true. So, Aslan, tell us, and I think we've probably talked about this before, uh, you know, just with each other, but maybe our listeners might be interested. Do you have a case, a particular case that sticks out in your mind that is, you know... Game changer? You, yeah, game Putting changer Putting words in you. your mouth again. Right, Sorry, or Rob. something that, you know, you, you, was, you're the most proud of. You know, I've... Um I've had a couple that come to mind, but I think one that my heart and soul is really in right now um, is probably a case that most other attorneys would turn away. And it's a medical malpractice case. And, um, you know, the reason that most attorneys would probably turn it away is because we have this thing in California called MICRA, which we absolutely need to get rid of. That puts a cap. Limits on everything. $250,000. Yeah. Yeah. For pain and suffering. Yeah. And, um, you know, medical malpractice cases are expensive. They're very expert driven. Um, So most attorneys shy away from that. But I met 
this client who walked into my office with the most amazing, amazing energy I've ever seen on anybody with the most incredible and beautiful smile. And then she told me what happened and what this doctor did to her. And I felt like that is just unacceptable. Can you just give us a, uh, are, are we allowed to get into the detail just a, a little bit? Um, what, what was, it was, the doctor did what to her? It was a plastic surgery case. Which that, are tough un, unto themselves, all by themselves. Well, because are people sign paperwork. Yeah, you know, there's a lot wow. of issues. Sometimes like, there's a lack of uh, sympathy or empathy for that yeah. kind of thing, too. Yeah, yeah. and, yeah. you know, most people might look at this as kind of like, oh, you know, it's just a cosmetic surgery. You kind of kind of take the risk that things aren't going to turn out perfect or, you know, exactly right. But uh, when I saw exactly what happened and when I saw not just the photos, but, you know, currently what my client looks like after that plastic surgery... I felt a, a deep pit in my stomach because I feel like we trust doctors and you know we go to them with our most valuable asset, which is our health, right? right? In our most vulnerable, vulnerable state. Exactly. And um, the energy from this client and how she spoke about this doctor, to me, showed humanity at its core yeah. because this wasn't just I want to sue him and you know you know make him suffer it was really like this is just so wrong on so many levels yeah yeah and I will you know clients like that you want to fight for you want to, to champion the very very end no matter what right. you want to champion for them right so as an I, I, we're going to move on to a little segment here yeah. we called Tip of the day. Tip of the what's, day. What's our tip of the day, Larry? Rob, tip of the day is don't text and drive. Well, that's a no-brainer. Well, but you'd be surprised how many people are driving and they're texting. I mean, you just stop. All I have to do is go on the road and look and look at somebody next to you and in their car and they're looking down and they're texting. It's obvious they're texting. That's crazy, you know, because I've heard that texting while driving is basically the same as drunk driving. Yeah. And yeah. that is super dangerous. Everybody thinks that they, it won't affect them, that they can take that split second or two seconds to look down and text, but it's not going to happen because in, in a split second, they could be crashing into somebody, hitting a pedestrian. Yeah, so no texting while driving, none of you. Hey, okay, on to our Did You Know segment. So with the current Me Too awareness, this is a new law for 2019 that we found interesting. Um, was passed last year, introduced by Senator Connie Leva from uh, Chino, and it bans non-disclosure agreements in sexual harassment, assault, and discrimination cases that were signed on or after January 1st, 2019. So it has uh, hopefully more of a chilling effect on sexual harassment and assault because even if you settle that case, you can't keep it a secret. You're going to be out there and people are going to know that you were a bad actor in that regard. What do you think of that, Aslan? I mean, that's definitely a step in the right direction, you know, and, you know, the the biggest advance that I think I've seen is that women are not as afraid to come forward with things that are just happening all the time. Right. And we've been quiet and ashamed and, you know, embarrassed. And it's not like that anymore. That's the tone of the nation. Well, Hopefully it's not like that anymore. Yeah. Like you say, it's all a step in the right direction. Absolutely. That's right. 
Well, I hear we have a Mandel message box. Now it's time to check the Mandel message box. Okay, we have a message here from Sarah from Fullerton who wrote in, and she states this follows. She says, while getting in a getting a mani or pedi, uh, like a manicure pedicure, last week the manicurist cut my finger. The cut got infected, and now I'm being treated by my primary care doctor for the infection. What legal recourse, if any, can I take against the salon? Hmm. What do you think about that, Rob? Well, I think I want Aslan to comment on that. That's what I think. Uh, yeah, okay. So she's, she's got, she cut the finger. She's got the infection now. Does she have a case? Well, I mean, I, I would definitely do a little bit of investigation into that. One, you know, you kind of have to look at, is this a reputable salon? You know, do they have the right licensing? And if you get past that step, then you kind of have to, you know, maybe put on your private investigator hat and go to that salon as a yeah. potential customer and see, you know, are they changing the, the you know, the, the, the water right. after every Are pedicure? they using proper uh, sanitary, right. sterile procedures, right? Yeah. And we've had cases but, like that where it's been the hair product. Oh, we have had hair products. Right. Tell them about that case real quick. <laughs> yeah, we had a, um, a hair case, which, you know, originally we kind of looked at this and we're like, um, you know, probably not the best case. But then it ended up that, uh, you know, they left the product on this lady's hair too long and her hair ended up completely falling out. Right. Well, look, uh, we've had a lot of fun with you. Thank you. You're always a joy to be around, and it's been uh, just great. But it's time to wrap things up. So we thank you all for tuning in. Catch us next week right here on Go Country 105. And just remember, let the scales of justice tip in your favor. The opinions expressed in the Brothers on Law Show are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for personal professional legal advice.